Hey, it's Jordan. We'll fire up the Chill Factory in about 30 seconds. First, an invitation to a free virtual masterclass that I'm co-leading with coaching psychologist Dr. Natalie Lancer. She was my great guest back on the two-part episode of the Chill Factory called Chill Productivity. The webinar is called From Stress to Success and is for anyone who wants some help starting, making progress on, or finishing a project, paper, or goal. It's on October 18th, 2023 from 1 to 2 p.m. New York time, and we'll put more info and a sign-up link in the show notes. This is going to sound sort of over the top, but it's not uncommon for me to get feedback from students that say things like, this is a total game changer, or this has completely transformed my life. Welcome and welcome back to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful with expert interviews, rapid relaxers, and excellent resources. I'm Jordan Friedman. When I was nine, I had a temper tantrum. I had a lot of temper tantrums when I was little, but this one was so volcanic, I remember it. Here's what happened. My father, who was, well, an obnoxious gum chewer and cigar smoker, heard about meditation as a way to moderate or eliminate such habits along with stress. It was the 1970s and meditation was getting a lot of attention in the West, and my parents thought it would be a good idea if the whole family learned how to meditate. Well, the whole family except me because I was only nine. Cue historic temper tantrum. Right, my older brother and sister were going to learn how to do this thing, and I wasn't. I got my way, and the whole family learned how to meditate, and my father did eventually completely stop chewing gum and smoking. And he went on to meditate every day, twice a day, for the next 52 years until his passing. Simply put, meditation is focusing one's attention on something repetitive or unchanging. It's one of the most evaluated alternative practices with a wide range of health-enhancing benefits. More on that soon. Now, I almost titled this episode Meditation Magic, not because meditation is woo-woo or requires sitting cross-legged and burning incense and chanting to chimes, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but because it is magic to me and millions of others thanks to this 2,000-year-old practice's power to de-stress and enhance physical and mental health. Meditation is also magic because we don't really know why it works. The next 20 minutes or so are an excellent and concise meditation explainer and sampler. My guest Katie Greco is a meditation teacher who will explain a specific meditation practice, and after our conversation, I'll lead a brief meditation. Katie is founder of Simply Meditate and teaches Vedic meditation in New York, California, and wherever the spirit takes her, according to her website. Prior to teaching meditation, Katie was a mover and shaker in the high-flying New York City restaurant world, and if you've ever eaten out here, you may have dined in one of her establishments. During our conversation, Katie mentions the High Line, which is a splendid elevated promenade along Manhattan's west side, which was created out of abandoned railroad tracks. I started by asking Katie to talk about her life before meditation. Before I learned to meditate, which was in 2014, I had been in the restaurant business for 17 years. I started in 1997 in a sort of low, low stress role. And then in 2001, I opened a restaurant here in New York City that was highly anticipated, highly acclaimed. And 
it's called Craft Restaurant. It's actually still here all these years later, which is great. And over the course of the next 13 years from 2001 to 2014, we opened about a dozen other restaurants, both here in New York City and around the country. And I was involved in all aspects of designing those restaurants, getting them built, getting them staffed, ultimately operating and overseeing the business of of this new restaurant company. And so my life was intense from a work point of view, lots of stress. Over that same period of time, I also got married and had two children, two boys. And so by the time 2014 rolled around, I was exhausted. (laughs) It had started to, in my mind, take a toll on my physical health and on my emotional health. And so I tried a lot of things that I think other people do when they are not feeling quite their best. You know, I started to see a therapist. I tried prioritizing my sleep more so that I could be sure to get eight hours of sleep every night. I tried to get more exercise on a regular basis. And so all of those things became part of my life and part of my routine. And they all helped. What I didn't find from any of those experiences is I didn't find for me that they provided the kind of sustained benefit I was looking for. Hmm. You described your work in not only one New York City restaurant, but many New York City restaurants. And immediately what came Mm -hmm. to my mind are these reality shows about chefs (laughs) and running restaurants. And I I don't watch those shows for more than a few minutes because they stress me out. And I realize that that's part of the, the you know, yeah. uh, attempt to get ratings and to keep people tuned in. And it's all about drama and what's going to happen next. So that just seems like a, um, a cauldron of stress right there. Yes, it, it can be. Absolutely. The company that I started is now called Crafted Hospitality. And my partner in crime in that company is Tom Colicchio. So he is the king of the television reality shows. He was the main judge on Top Chef, has been for 20 years. And he and I had a real, we had a great working relationship. We also believed firmly that our company was going to be about taking care of people and making people happy, both from a guest standpoint and an employee standpoint. So um, I sort of enjoyed certainly for a period of my life, that feeling of adrenaline that came every time it, you know, 5.30 came and we opened the door and the lighting became the dining room evening lighting. It just, it felt like we were going on stage and that was beautiful and fun and exhilarating in its own way. So how did you go from stressed restaurateur in New York City to meditation and to teaching meditation. A friend of mine who also lived here in New York City and is actually one of the co-founders of the High Line, his name is Robbie Hammond. Um, He was an old friend and he had been practicing Vedic meditation for a number of years. And he started, you know, what is arguably one of the greatest contributions to New York City (laughs) in his professional life. He was a co-founder of the High Line and he actually decided to leave that role to go become a teacher of Vedic meditation. And I remember thinking, Hmm. you've got to be nuts. You know, like you have arguably got the most interesting job. You've created the most beautiful thing of anyone that I know. And you're going to go leave that 
and go spend three months in India? Like, come on. I mean, I didn't say that to him, but this is what was going on in my mind. But also what was going on in my mind was there must be something about this practice that is so compelling to him that he's willing to take a step aside from this project that he's, you know, spent years getting off the ground to go and do this. And so when he came home from India, I learned to meditate right away. I was like, you know, there's got to be something to this. And so, and I've literally meditated now every day since that Mm. time without fail. What is Vedic meditation for those who have no idea? Sure. Vedic meditation is a simple, easy to do mental technique that practitioners do ideally twice a day. It involves sitting down comfortably. This is not a technique where we sit in lotus pose or anything, any uncomfortable position that you might think meditators sit in, by the way, you know, that cross-legged pose that for most of us is hard to get into and almost impossible to stay in. We get to sit comfortably in Vedic meditation. So we sit with back support on a chair, on the sofa, in bed, in a car, you know, all sorts of different places. And what we do in order to practice this technique, is we sit down, close the eyes, and we start to think a mantra. Now, the mantra is something that's given to each student on the first day of the course. And in the case of Vedic meditation, the mantras are just sounds. They're not words. They don't have any meaning or anything. And what we do is we think it in the most easy and effortless way we can, nice and easily. Ideally, we, we meditate for 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes again, sometime in the afternoon or early evening. And the practice allows the body to rest in a profoundly deep way. It's a very easy technique to do. I think to me, that was one of the real attractive points of this technique. Almost everybody that I've taught, and this goes for other teachers of Vedic meditation as well, so many students comment on how simple it is to do and how surprised they are at that because lots of people have this idea that meditation is difficult, either because they've maybe tried something that was difficult or because they just have some preconceived idea that meditation just by its very nature is a challenging practice. Yeah, and I would add as someone who has done a similar technique to Vedic meditation I started when I was very young, that also it's not about focusing on your mantra at all costs and not letting any other thoughts steer you off of that mantra focus. Uh, and, and I think that f- meditators who I've spoken with, who I've worked with, um, that's a concern for them too, that, oh, they're not doing it right because they they can't focus on their mantra for more than what feels to them like five or 10 seconds. So it's not right. about that either. Correct. It's not. The mantra is meant to be a sort of orienting device and we use it and we think it in the most sort of easy and effortless way we can, really the same way we think any other thought. We don't use effort, right? It's just there. And the faintest idea and faintest use of the mantra is actually enough. If we try to focus on it or control it in any way, then we won't be practicing this technique properly. Yeah, it's interesting. Seems like a contradiction, but... um, It does. I want to see if there's a way that you can give listeners a feel of what 
Vedic meditation is like, recognizing that we don't have enough time. This is not, you know, an hours-long, multi-episode course. But is there a way to give people who are listening who may have no experience at all with meditation uh, a sense of what we're talking about and how it feels to meditate? Sure. Uh, You know, I'm not sure I can give them an idea of what it would feel like from a point of view of experiencing the deep rest that comes Mm -hmm. along with Vedic meditation. But what I can do is give people a window inside the head of a meditator. You know, in this case, that meditator will be me. And I could sort of talk you through what it, what's going on in my mind when I'm meditating and what might, what it might feel like. So what we do when we practice Vedic meditation, we sit comfortably again with our back supported and we sit quietly and close the eyes. And after a few moments of just settling in and relaxing, we start to think the mantra in a very easy, effortless way. So if you could listen inside my head right now, um, I'm going to give you an idea of what my meditation this morning would have sounded like if you were listening inside my head around seven o'clock this morning when I was meditating. So I was sitting comfortably and I closed my eyes, start to think my mantra, mantra, mantra. So glad that man is coming to fix the dishwasher today. It's been five days of washing my dishes by hand, which is just too much. Mantra, mantra. I think I have, oh, I have people coming at four for that group meditation. I guess I'll be home by from getting my hair cut around 3.30. Mantra, mantra, mantra. So excited to see Linus tomorrow. It's back and forth from one child to the next child. Everybody's at different places. Mantra, mantra. So this is how it goes. When we practice Vedic meditation, we think our mantra easily and effortlessly, and then thoughts come right? What kind of thoughts? Just like the ones you heard. Very often, in my case anyway, quite mundane, everyday thoughts about what I was doing before I started to meditate or what I need to get done when I'm finished meditating, what I'm going to eat for lunch that day, what's on my calendar, you know, what I heard on the news before meditation. All of those kinds of thoughts, you know, come in. And what we are instructed to do in this technique is let our mind get absorbed in the thoughts. Just let it go. We don't try to push the thoughts out. We don't wish that we weren't having them. We just allow our mind to get absorbed in the thoughts until we have some moment where we're reminded mentally, somehow in the mind, a memory that we're meditating, right? We're like, oh, right, I'm sitting here. I've got my eyes closed. Time to come back to the mantra. And this is what we do. We come back to the mantra. We bring it back. We don't punish ourselves for having lost it in the first place. Losing the mantra is as much a part of the practice as thinking it in the first place. And so this is how it goes for 20 minutes. We have some moments of thinking the mantra. We have some moments of having thoughts. It's a it's a cycle. And I would just add from, from my experience as well that the thoughts that you talked about, someone coming to fix the dishwasher, news you heard this morning before you started meditating, Yes, it's definitely that. And it could also be ill-defined, hazy thoughts, you know, a gray blob with my grandmother in it. So yeah, it could be it could be anything and everything. Yes. So 
yay for you and me who learn meditation and have benefited greatly from it. For somebody listening who heard your explanation, your run-through, if you will, of your meditation being inside your head, and they're thinking, oh, this isn't so simple. I, I can barely sit still to eat. Is this, for me, is this something that I could learn, or is it just going to be too difficult and I should forget about it and go find something else to help me reduce my stress? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And really, Vedic meditation is for everyone. It's for people who think they're stressed out. It's for people who have no idea that they're stressed out at all, but actually are. It's for people who lead happy, peaceful, easy lives. It's for people who are anxious and have ADHD. As a Vedic meditation teacher, one of the things I've heard other teachers say, and I say as well, if you can think, you can meditate. So there's no one for whom this technique wouldn't be an additive experience, in my estimation. One of the things about this technique that makes it great for so many people is that there are very few hard and fast rules. So for people who are worried about stillness or feeling anxious, trying to remember the mantra or things of that ilk, there really are it's a very forgiving practice, I think is maybe a good word to use in the sense that it's not so strict. I think that's one of the things that really draws people in and is ultimately surprising to them, but it's a happy surprise. Yeah, great. There's no shortage of research on lots of different forms of meditation, including ones similar to Vedic meditation. So we know there are reductions in blood pressure, in muscle tension, in breathing rate, both in the short term and long term, plus lots of other reported benefits, a greater ability to focus, lower stress reactivity, so you are mm. uh, not as stressed as you usually get about certain things. I'm wondering, though, from your point of view as a teacher of Vedic meditation, do you have any examples or stories you might share of how it has impacted someone's life? Yes, I do. I taught a man who was in his early 60s, had had troubles with his blood pressure for many years. Actually, he's a cardiologist, interestingly enough, and mm. he had tried any number of solutions, none of which seemed to be solving the problem. And so he came and learned Vedic meditation with me. And on the third day, he showed up to class and he said, my blood pressure this morning looks really good. And a few weeks later, and then a few months later, I checked in with him and his blood pressure had continued to look good and normal. You know, other instances, I just was in California two weeks ago. I taught a nice group of people about half of whom were high school students. And each one of these young people said over the course of the four days that they were experiencing increased levels of energy. And a few of them reported feeling more calm. You know, they talked about things that would normally trigger them. It could be an interaction with a parent about 
their ACT prep, or it could be something going on with their water polo team where, you know, they have twice a day practices in the summer and they, you know, find them very intense and stressful. And in, in all cases, they were feeling greater capacity to handle the demands that were coming their way in a calm, less reactive kind of way. This is going to sound sort of over the top, but it's not uncommon for me to get feedback from students that say things like, this is a total game changer, or this has completely transformed my life. That was my experience. I started to feel more calm right away in small incremental ways. I noticed it most in the way I interacted with my children, honestly. I felt I was more patient and more present as a mother once I learned to meditate, which was really one of the reasons that I wanted meditation to work was that that was something I was struggling with. And it showed its merit quite quickly. Katie Greco, I really appreciate you adding to the Chill Factory stock with information about Vedic meditation, meditation in general, because it's super valuable. Thank you, Jordan. So nice to be here. Katie Greco teaches Vedic meditation, and you can learn more about her and her work at simplymeditateny.com or on Instagram at simplymeditateny. Now, what's an episode about meditation without the chance to try meditation? I led a two-minute meditation back in episode 19, which was called Silent for a Month, and it will work beautifully here. Even in its brevity, you'll recognize some of the meditation elements I discussed with Katie, including a focal point or mantra. In this meditation sampler, you'll focus on the air flowing in and out of your nose. Here we go, and the track starts with a quick explanation and a few directions. I'll guide you into it and sort of give you a feel for how it's done. I'll leave you for just a little bit, and then I'll guide you back out of it. It would be best if you were sitting upright in a chair, and if you could be in a quiet place with your eyes closed. Direct your attention to your nostrils, and like a laser, Focus your attention on the air flowing in and out of your nose as you breathe in and then breathe out. Now already other thoughts have probably entered into your mind. They've interrupted your focus on the air flowing in and out of your nostrils without you even realizing it. That's okay and completely natural. What I'd like you to do when this happens is just to very easily recognize that you're focusing or thinking about something else other than the air flowing in and out of your nose and then just easily let those thoughts go and bring your focus back to your nostrils, to the air flowing in and out as you inhale and exhale. Try this on your own for a little bit and I'll be back shortly.
In a moment, you'll let that focus fade away and you'll welcome in any other thoughts that come into your mind. And as part of this transition out of meditation, think about what you'll see when you open your eyes. And when you're ready, slowly open your eyes. You just meditated, at least a little bit. Learning meditation and realizing its benefits takes time, usually at least a few weeks. Teachers like Katie are really important when learning meditation, and you can also test it out again using the Chill Factory app. The app has two tracks called Meditation 10 and Meditation 20, 10 for 10 minutes, 20 for 20 minutes, that will guide you through meditation sessions. Just download the Chill Factory app from the App Store and enter the password meditate. This will give you and 24 other listeners full and free access to all of the Chill Factory app's features for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net. And as Tibetan yogi Jetson Milaraspa said, the affairs of the world will go on forever. Do not delay the practice of meditation.